Hi, uh, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 26 of Shades of Brown. Uh, this week, uh, the first topic on the list is the new Google Pixel uh, rumors, uh, reported exclusively by uh, Android police. Uh, so we have a new Pixel. It looks like a uh, low bezel, uh, AMOLED display, uh, and squeezable frame. Uh, those are sort of the like three things that that are uh, that we sort of know almost for sure. Like they have an eight out of ten confidence rating. What do you think about this question? I well, firstly, I'm just I'm intrigued by how Google says that they design and manufacture the Pixel, but with like last year's Pixel, right? There was a couple HTC reference devices that people were able to track down and be like, "This is essentially a Pixel of just some modifications to the chassis." And of course, running stock Android and all that. What I find interesting about this one is that it has like a similar frame to the HTC U11, I believe, which is their latest uh, phone for 2017. But I mean, it's it's more modification than a Nexus, but I still don't think that the Pixel line is Google 100% doing what Apple does with the iPhone, right? All custom. But uh, besides that, to the actual device itself, um, I like it, actually. Like the the glass so last year's pixel right had that like that weird glass pane in the on the back of the device it just looks strange this time it's uniform at the top right so it goes from edge to edge and it blends into the frame and then it's all aluminum for the rest of the phone where the fingerprint scanner is at and all that and it's just like glass covering the camera and some other and the flash and that so i think that's really interesting i think that's a much better look yeah definitely i i'm liking the look from the few sort of renders, or it's, I don't think they're renders, they're actual pictures. I can't quite tell. I want to say it's a render just because of how clean it looks. I like, but it's it's the render. It looks like a render that's going to be used in a device in a marketing in a PR release, right? Like, so it's indicative of the final product. That's what I if if this is real, right? If we're assuming, if we're going to assume that this device is real, I want to say that these renders are what Google would put out on the Google Store. For you to buy them but uh also as well let's see the squeezable frame that is interesting because so that was in the hcu 11 essentially if you squeeze the device frame you can have it launch the camera you can set it to a bunch of actions take a screenshot maybe if you want to and what i'm interested in is how how does that work with android as a whole right because normally what google does on the nexus devices in terms of new features at sort of like an API level, roll out to all Android devices, right? So the next, the Pixel, or Pixel, I think I said Nexus a minute ago, sorry. The Pixel devices have the Google Assistant on them, the uh, the new Pixel launcher and all that. That's fine, right? Because that's, you can still integrate the Google Assistant for your Android apps. There's APIs for that. And the launcher is a launcher, but you can just replace it. Um, but all the backend stuff they do for like the new camera controls and like getting raw images and all that promote stuff, that's still exposed to all the rest of the Android uh, family with uh, AOSP changes. So if you have a squeezable frame, there's obviously going to be like APIs because Google is obviously going to release some tools for people to play around with them and integrate it to their app. But how does that work with other Android devices, right? Because so like we have the iPhone in uh, 3D Touch and if you don't like... You can 3D touch the clear notifications on iOS 10, right? On a 6S or a 7. But if you don't have a device with 3D touch, you just long press and the same prompt for you to clear um, your notifications will pop up. So I wonder what's the fallback, right? 
Yeah. So uh, if it's if it's like a uh, so it's like a short the the sort of squeeze to launch a camera or squeeze to do uh, some other action, maybe launch an app, uh, another app, or share something. Uh, it, it's like if if it's not there, it's not like the OS is is like missing like a critical feature. I don't think there's any sort of back like there's no need for a backup. Like there's it's it's not like a it's like an additional fee, uh, way of interacting with the uh, phone physically. I don't think it's like so with, on iOS. Uh, 3D Touch is kind of a little bit different because it it, it integrates with the with the screen. And it's like a, the primary interaction model. Uh, you're you're messing with that, and that you're gonna need uh, backups because that's the screen. But this is this is sort of external to the. It's like a body thing. You're shaking, uh, squeezing the phone. I still think this is kind of a like a gimmick. Like I don't think this is like a thing people sort of want. Like the U11. I, I'm not hearing like, oh my god, U11 the uh, squeeze the phone thing is, is so amazing. Uh, it's just a thing. Like it's like a gimmick that, that that's, that's just what HTC thinks is 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 gonna be popular. But I don't think it's it's gonna go anywhere. I don't think it's a very uh, nice. Like people are gonna be really weird out trying to squeeze their phones. I think that's that's also another thing. Having sensible defaults for squeezing a phone is really weird because most people, I want to say, have different grip strengths when they hold their phones. But um, also as well, too, right? Uh, what I think is more interesting and is more like a little more representative of what Google's been doing with their Pixel strategy is that these devices, right, are straying even further and further from actual Android because it used to be Nexus devices were a showcase of what the next version of Android could do. But now these Pixel devices are just like Google's own skin on Android, even though they own Android, if you kind of get what I mean, right? Like these are, the Pixel devices probably stray further from AOSP in some aspects than like Samsung devices do. Uh, Google, and, yeah, Google's Pixel devices is them trying to move into the high-end, uh, quote-unquote, flagship territory. Like they're trying to sort of muscle in into uh, what the territory owned by Samsung and HTC and LG, right? And uh, it's it's just that it's the same pricing level as the iPhone, as the Galaxy S phones. It's it's just them trying to like they see this this like sort of lot lot of margin uh, from these phones, and they're like, oh, well, we want a piece of that, but it's not a very easy market to get into because Samsung obviously dominates. Uh, HTC and LG are basically second and third place. It's 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 a very competitive the market is very saturated so it's very hard for a new uh new competitor to sort of sort of break it google google's tried a lot google uh the last pixel phone they did marketing all all over the place every carrier in canada was advertising it you would see ads for it oh yeah even in like uh in orlando right we had uh, billboard ads for and some of the bus stations too it was a real strong yeah, marketing a big push. huge marketing push ads everywhere every carrier uh, had full like like they, they would they would have it in front of the store they would have like a big banner ad uh, so yeah so google really is like they're trying very hard to sort of like bring the pixel into us into the mainstream sort of make it like uh disassociate from the nexus thing and just make it so that people they associate pixel they associate like a premium device that you could buy straight from google or or from a carrier but you still get the software from google so it's like you get the, that Google experience. That's what they're trying to sell. They're trying to sell Google experience at a premium price. Uh, they're trying to equate the Google experience as a premium thing. So that's that's what they're 
Yeah, um, like a Microsoft with Surface, right? Yeah, it's definitely sort of like a what they call a Halo product, like a Halo effect where you have like this really high end, expensive uh, sort of device. Uh, not everybody's going to buy it. It's sort of trying to like create an association with your brand, right? Sort of trying to create. But like, I think it's it's different of Android though, right? Because of Windows, the Halo effect is sort of that everything trickles down, right? Um, because you have the Surface, right? So that essentially forced Dell to start making good computers again, HTC to make computers that actually respected uh, design principles, right? And features from the services started rolling out to other devices as well, right? Better pen support, better touchscreen, or better touchscreen drivers, better trackpads. Those are all things that Microsoft started doing first to the Surface line. And it's interesting when you compare it to Google, right? Where Google's like, mm, Google Assistant, it's going to be best on the Pixel. We might roll it out. You can download Allo if you want to try it and you're not using a Pixel, right? Or their camera stuff. Like, we have a good pro camera app, but we're not going to roll it out to any devices. And I think it's it's interesting, like, how much Google is trying to reclaim the experience that they're essentially just pushing Samsung and all the other OEMs out of the way so, and and just using the fact that they own the platform to make the best integrated hardware, which is usually not how these quote-unquote open platforms work, right? No, but Google has realized that they... they uh... They fucked up. Well, they didn't fuck up. They made a specific decision at the start of Android to to make it uh, available to everyone uh, for manufacturers to use and make phones with because they were trying to gain market share and to try to gain market share from uh, what was iOS at the time, uh, iPhones, when the iPhone first came out. Uh, they realized that uh, they needed the device, like they needed the OS everywhere, like they, every phone. Uh, has to have that OS that that's gonna not not an iPhone. So they realized that, and they made that compromise way back then. And now they they're sort of like, well, we made that decision, but now we're trying to sort of slowly, but like slowly trying to boil the frog, as it were. Like uh, Samsung, uh, HTC, uh, LG, all the, all the OEMs, uh, I'm sure are somewhat worried, probably about uh, you know, Google sort of shutting them out entirely. And you can tell because Samsung has stuff like Tizen, you know, like uh, so they so they have a backup plan. But yeah, Google's Google's just trying to like reclaim whatever it can get at this point. It's, it's, it doesn't even like they're just trying to get it. So like Android has a big sort of like publicity problem where it's like oh yeah, Android phones are insecure. Like they're trying to sort of disassociate, uh, like sort of remove that sort of problem. Uh, by trying. Yeah, Google's uh Google's. Like the Pixel is half of an enthusiast device and half of a uh, perception fixer, right? It's like even if people don't buy the Pixel, the fact that people see the Pixel line out there sort of reassures you that buying a device with Android is not worse than an iOS device. And it's it's interesting. I think that eventually most people are just going to start buying Pixels if Google pushes it hard enough. Uh, they need to roll out the next Pixel device on more U.S. carriers and just Verizon. But with a strong enough push and enough marketing power, I think that because it runs Android, right? Unlike some some other operating systems that we'll talk about a little later in the show, it's just it's, it would be int- it would be interesting to for them to lower the price a bit uh, because right now, uh, I mean, they're trying to aim for the premium market. I still think a lot of phones can be sold at a sort of mid to low lower tier pricing, uh, sort of like the five hundred and and lower. Uh, 500 US dollars that is a uh, lower price range. And I think the Nexus phones prove that 
there is like the Nexus Five. Oh yeah, that was like three fifty US and like four hundred CAD, right? Yeah, Nexus Nexus Five was was my last uh, Android phone, and like it it was like it had a lot of faults, but it sold a lot because it was cheap, and it was a cheap sort of uh, Android experience that was good. So I think Google still needs a sort of a cheaper alternative, uh, Pixel Lite. I think they can do both, right? I think if Google has like a sort of how OnePlus does, you have the or like a Pixel XL, a regular Pixel, and then like a Pixel T or something like that, right? That maybe doesn't have the huge edge-to-edge display, all of the fancy camera stuff, but is like good enough, fast enough on the hardware, and great enough battery life, then definitely. Because Google's not Apple, right? Google's never going to be Apple. They, you Only Apple can get away with charging $1,300 for a laptop, or if, like as we are talking last week with these new iPhones, like almost a grand for the iPhone X or whatever it's going to be called, right? Google, Google's more like Amazon, where they they're better off if they're if they have a range of devices from cheap to uh, to expensive. Because if everyone's in the ecosystem, then they make more money from advertising and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So moving on from uh, pixels, uh, something not as smart, something not as cool, something you should probably <laughs> never buy. Uh, <laughs> The Samsung Galaxy Note 7 Fan Edition. Um, And yes, uh, I said Fan Edition because, yeah, Samsung is bringing it back. Uh, The ill-fated Galaxy Note 7, as as we all know, uh, with its battery problems and its uh, exploding devices, uh, Samsung has made a fan, quote-unquote, fan edition, a refurbished Note 7 uh that they're selling like they're going to be selling it to customers uh, people are going to be able to buy it i suppose and it's just like this is this is this is what okay so samsung here i think is just trying to sort of reclaim sort of trying to make it so that like they're trying to just make some money here like off of a product that this kind of had to write off uh but they're like yeah so we're gonna sell it to like we kind of call it a fan edition so like the most hardcore of samsung fans uh, and most hardcore of the Note Seven Note fans uh, are going to be buying it, and this is this is dumb. Don't don't buy it. This this is just why. Just buy like just buy the S eight, uh, but just wait for the next Note. Why would you? Why would you even consider this? Like, why is this a thing that that you would? I don't think there's logic in it, and there's no logic in buying this phone as as it's called the fan edition. There's there's no logic in in buying this this device. It's just. Please don't. That's all I'm going to say. Like, there's not much to say about it. It's just, it's, it's just dumb. I mean, you could say that Samsung is just trying to fan this fire oh, out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> folks, folks, like, like it's sorry. not worth it. It's, it's not worth it to have a risky device blow up in your pocket and cause you, uh, physical physical harm that's that's just not worth it because you know like it's, it's going to be your your body that's going to be affected and or, or like people around you that's that's just not uh it's not just just, just don't buy it just, just don't don't give them the money that they so so, so they so want because they, they wrote it off but yeah so that's the samsung uh it, that's the samsung's note 7 fan edition and speaking about things that are dumb and upsetting, the W3C has greenlighted DRM for the web. Um, so for a while now, rolling around, uh, 
mainly introduced by Google. Like, let's, it's it was Google. I'm Google's the one who introduced. Uh, it's called encrypted media extensions, a DRM standard for uh web video. Um, with as the uh, EFF says, there are no safeguards for accessibility, security research, or competition, and there it has been riddled with internal controversy. And so, essentially, so how web content used to work back before HTML5 video became a thing that most companies would actually give out your uh, give out their content in was that you would use Flash or Silverlight. Uh, rest in peace, God. I've Silverlight's been dead for such a long time. You would use both of those, and there'd usually be like third party companies that provide their own DRM. And then you just wrap it in there. And it was sort of like a black box, right? Because most of this DRM was closed source. It could have security vulnerabilities. You never know. Um, it was probably not as effective, right? You can always crack DRM. Uh, anyone who plays PC games will tell you this. DRM is very easily crackable. And it just, it's not good, right? Like, because if, say for example, you have DRM on some like anime video, right? That I'm watching on Crunchyroll. There are ways for me to record this. I can write I can write software that will record my screen. Or even better, I can just, you know, have a have a pass-through device from like my HDMI cable, right? Yes, yeah, so you can uh, you can buy what are called uh HDCP strippers. Uh because the DRM from the cable, the HDMI cable or the display port cable uh, is is HDCP, and uh, there are, there are devices that can crack. Uh, I think certain versions of HDCP, and if you have one of those devices and and a and a supported screen, you can you can just put the device in between the screen and the uh, and the and the 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 computer, and you can sort of just get the video. Like it's, it's unencrypted. Uh, you're getting the data. There's nothing stopping you uh, from getting it. It just makes it slightly harder. You have to put in slightly more effort. Uh, so this this EME thing is essentially putting a little black box inside your browser that that implements DRM. And the problem here is problem is here. There's no like sort of guidelines or like allowances with security researchers or you know like browser vendors even. To sort of like look into it, like trying to figure out the security of it. Is this secure? Is this going to cause? Uh, what's that tax surface here? Like, is is there? It's going to cause some sort of escalation of vulnerability. How does it interact with the sandbox? Like, uh, what what is going on here? So it, it's not allowed. Like that's the thing. It's not allowed. The security situation is not allowed to break into it. Uh, uh, it's it's elite, like it's, it would be legal uh, to or there's no guidelines uh, to break. Uh, to well, break also in. Uh... In America, as of right now, um, please contact us, you know, contact com if I am not correct on this, but I believe that Apple lobbied for the Library of Congress to pass a resolution that it was included with the jailbreaking one, right? As jailbreaking is technically bypassing a form of DRM, that bypassing a form of DRM is breaking copyright, and therefore you could be prosecuted for it. Because remember GeoHots and the whole entire Sony thing? GeoHots was... Uh... He did the he did one of the jailbreaks or I can't quite remember. It's been a while. He he, I think he uh, he cracked like the DRM and the firmware for the PS3, so you can install or you can mess around with Linux and some other stuff like that. 
it's it's been a while. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's been a while. Yeah, Jihad is a name that I haven't heard in a while, but yeah. Uh, so DRM cracking DRM in many like in the U.S. at least is 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 legally. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I, I can't really comment. Yeah, I don't want to say it's exactly illegal, right? But it's definitely there's a it's a gray zone. It's not illegal. Maybe it's legally questionable. Yeah, it's a gray area. Uh, if you're doing it, uh, make sure you have a lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also as well, there's like a, an ideological bent to this that I kind of want to go on for a minute. Um, putting like people do DRM, right? Like games of DRM, as we said before, Spotify has DRM on the stream songs. Like at at a technical level and at like from a rights holder level, I understand it. But what bothers me especially about this is the fact that it's the W3C that's pushing this. The W3C should be, at least in my view, right, uh, an organization that promotes openness at all costs, right? Like that, it's the open web, right? Like that's that's the whole point is that is that there's no black boxes, is that I can right click view source on anything, right? Like that's that's the dream. And when you start throwing in DRM, it's just it's more indicative of some changes to the ones I don't like, right? Because it's like, you have Google pushing DRM, you have Google now pushing also AMP, and all of these are doing, they're just restricting freedoms and they're like, they're putting control of what should be a decentralized system back into a, a more centralized place. And it just bothers me. I just, it doesn't sit No, well. no, that, that's definitely a sort of the, uh, sort of the issue here is that uh, the web, as it were, uh, supposed to be open. But as as you mentioned, attacks on sort of the open web, like it's it's not a one thing that's been uh, attacking the web. It's like EME. There is uh, there is as you said, AMP. There's also uh, just Facebook, like Facebook's uh, instant articles. Uh, and honestly, ad tracking I think is fair enough to throw in there. It's definitely sort of like there's a lot of things going on, but this particularly is. Uh, the W3C previously considered sort of like, a, uh, you know, like sort of neutral or even like slightly biased towards like the open sort of web thing. Uh, uh, and but the thing is, uh, Tim Berners Lee, uh, the HTML's inventor and uh, W3C director, uh, decided that the objections to EME were not sufficient to justify blocking the spec. Uh, giving it his that helps the organization's approval, and I think uh, that is, is 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 indicative of. I don't know if if pressure was put on Tim Berners Lee. I suspect it was because this is this is being pushed by some very big companies, and I and I definitely wouldn't put it. And I it's all politics, right? So who knows if Google is lobbying Tim? No, no Google is definitely lobbying. Uh, I, like I wouldn't put past. Like if a report came out tomorrow, right, that said that like he pocketed cash for this, like I wouldn't be surprised. It's all politics, regardless of an organization or a government. It's all the same thing. It is like uh, like I would be surprised if Microsoft, Google, Adobe uh, are not lobbying. Like I would be extremely surprised if they are not because they, these are not small companies. These are multi billion dollar multinational corporations. These these have a lot of money. They they do have lobbying power and they do know how to use it. Uh, they will they they are there. They do apply force uh, or like pressure uh, and influence. Uh, who knows how the uh, people have suggested that W three C is is corrupted at this point and it's basically unsalvageable. I don't know about that, but it's definitely indicative, right, of the problems with the dictator for life um, setup that a good amount of organizations and open source communities have. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could go on a whole rant about dictators for life, uh, benevolent dictators uh, for life uh, systems, but I think it's a little bit out of scope here. But uh, if you're more interested in reading about this, uh, the EFF, of course, has a very good uh, post on it uh, that we'll be linking to in the show notes, uh, which will be at com. And also as well, I just want to, uh, before we hop on uh, to the next topic, I just want to say, uh, if, you, if you're feeling down and it's just like, you know, all these changes to the open web are bothering you and it's like, what, what can you do about it? Um, just want to give you some tips, some, some hashtag, some hashtag hot tips. We're bringing that back. Those of you who've been listening from the first, the first run of Shades of Brown, hot tips were a thing. <laughs> God, that was like two years ago. But um, honestly, if you build websites, just try not to track. If you work in an organization where they, you know, they're, they're requiring you to put trackers in it, just maybe if you have the privilege and if you're able to try and raise that, like, why are we tracking this? Do we actually need this? You know, try and be more mindful. And if you're building websites for yourself, maybe don't throw a Google Analytics link on there. You know, like, do you need to know where the people who live where they're visiting your site? Do you need to know what, what devices are on? Maybe. If you don't, then you don't need to track it, right? And for those of you who are using web services, you know, Mastodon's a thing. There are services like Fastmail. You moving off of centralized and closed platforms will help. It, it helps bring back the open web, right? Like, not throwing all of your fish in one bucket will make a difference if enough people do it. Also, like, what, one thing I want to say is there's a lot of open source projects uh, that are sort of like the what I call the embodiment of the open web. Um, uh, one of them being uh, one of my longtime favorites that I've been using for a long time is WordPress. Uh, 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 like WordPress is what twoshadesofbrown.com is and my blog is, and I've been using it for a long time. And I think one good place to support the open web, I think, is WordPress. So if you, if I would encourage people to get involved in in WordPress, or maybe even use WordPress, if you're, if you're thinking about starting a blog, uh, consider using WordPress. It's well-supported, obviously. It's, it's, you can use it everywhere. It runs on a lot of things. Uh, you can get it easily, like managed hostings, self-managed, whatever you want. Yeah, there's a automatic themselves sells a managed WordPress solution, right? Oh, definitely yes. If you want to pay automatic for it, uh, you can do it WordPress.com. Uh, but if you want to like host it yourself, uh, WordPress.org, you can download it from there. So yeah, there's a lot of like if you want to like host your own content, try try not to put it. Uh, on a on a service like say I say Google's blogger service or whatever else is there, like just try to host it yourself or like use open source software to host your own content. And if you're uh, uh, if you're using like YouTube, maybe try Vimeo for a bit. You know, there's it's small things like that. It's just as most things in life, be mindful of it. Try and speak out when you can, and never click an amp link. Never ever in your life. Click an app link. Just don't do it. It's bad. It's gross. Um, and with that, <laughs> I think it's we're gonna switch to the main topic for the show. Uh, Windows Phone. Windows Phone this week entered into out of support from Microsoft. So Microsoft has uh, published timelines of every version of Windows and how long they will support it with feature updates, security updates, uh, enhancements, and the such. And Windows Phone is out of the cycle. Windows Phone 8.1, the last version to be released, 
it's I let me explain what's going on here because uh, you'd be like, what about Windows 10? Doesn't it run on phones? There's a Lumia 950. There's like that one Alcatel phone being released in Europe. That is Windows 10 on phones, not Windows 10 for phones. And it is different because it essentially, uh, so there's projects inside of Microsoft to port the Windows shell to ARM. There's the uh, Windows apps on ARMs we talked about in previous episodes of the show. And then there is Windows phone itself. And that's going away. The move is to have Windows 10 itself be on phones and you plug it in, there's Continuum. You're running full Windows app, Win32 apps converted over uh, to uh, to run on ARM devices. And th- that's not Windows Phone. Like, that's, that's Windows 10. And it's confusing because Microsoft can't name things. But the difference being Windows Phone is Metro. <laughs> Windows 10 is Fluent Design. Windows 10 is that weird hodgepodge of metaphors and all that, right? Like, I just wanna just wanna I wanna get on the soapbox real quick and just talk about Windows Phone. Um, I won't talk as much about the design of it because there's a very good. Uh, I post good content. I'm just gonna say that right now. Best best shit poster in the game. <laughs> there's a very good. I had a I had a fun post. I was having some fun. I spent like two hours trying to find this one PDF book uh, from Mix 2010. One of Microsoft's random developer events focused on Windows Phone, and it was basically the like the human interface guidelines, but for Metro. And I remember back in 2011, 2010, when they first announced Windows Phone 7 series, uh, when I found this document, it really, like, I remember I was reading Engadget at the time, back when Joshua Tulsi was the editor-in-chief, and, you know, Neil Patel and Paul Miller, and all of them. It was way, it was, it was a classic, classic tech blog, right? And I was reading through it, and it's like, it is the thing that made me like sort of fall in love with all this stuff. And I finally found it. I was looking through it and I just had some thoughts that I just had to get out. Cause I wanted, we wanted to talk about the show. We, we prepare in advance. Right. But I was like, you know what, this one just need to get it out. So um, there's a good thread on Mastodon. Uh, the link's going to be in the show notes. You can always find it at twoshadesofbrown.com. And I encourage you to read it. Uh, send me some feedback. If you like, I'm always open to talk to our listeners. And with that, Windows phone was, the best bad idea right <laughs> like it is all these like third class operating systems that came out to complete with android had some weird ass ui ideas right like if you really want to if you really want to talk about like what's modern design it is webos and it is metro the card metaphor of webos is every os is using that now split screen stacking all of that and the flat design stuff is all based off of like the Zune HD and Metro 1.0. And I just love Metro. It's so good. But also as well, the thing about Windows Phone is that it had like its own personality to it, which it was always, it was no matter like what you ran it on, right? You could run it on shit hardware. It was smooth. It was like iOS in that regard, but it still had some of the openness of Android. It was a perfect middle ground. Yeah, I definitely liked it a lot of sort of the features that Metro Surface, like the live tile stuff. Uh, is an interesting sort of way of presenting information that uh, never took off outside of Windows desktops. Like even on desktops, it's it's mostly hidden in the start menu these days, and uh, you don't really see it. So yeah, Windows Microsoft has been trying to hide uh, Metro uh, from its desktop users uh, because well, backlash uh, Windows eight and Windows eight point one uh, weren't so hot. Uh, People, people didn't like Metro. They felt like it was, it was too. Well, Windows. The problem with Windows eight point one is that Microsoft didn't 
split it off into its own tablet OS. Because let's be honest, what is iOS 11 right now on an iPad? All the same, it is the same like swipe gestures that Windows 8.1 was using. I think that Windows Phone is going to uh, be sort of like classic Mac OS where it wasn't that great, but the whole WIMP model was essentially taken from that, right? From what Apple's work. And then I feel like when we look back in 10 years or whatever, it's you're going to say all the main features of all these new OSs and all that, like you can tie it back to, of course, like development of the iPhone, but then Windows Phone itself. Because right now, all this flat design stuff, everyone's just been basically copying Windows Phone and WebOS. It's just... So something something that just, I was looking through the slides uh, that we were talking about in the Mastodon thread. Uh, one of the slides I was looking, that sort of the Metro thing where you have the big, big fonts at the top, right, for emphasis. You know, like iOS 11 is doing a lot of uh, big, bold fonts. It's the stuff. exact same thing. You just add some like Windows effects and a Z axis, and you. It's that's the thing, right? It's like everyone, everyone is like trying to basically recreate Metro without recreating Metro. And Microsoft is like, oh yeah, that's dumb. We shouldn't do it. And I'm like, what do you have? You had something beautiful. Obviously, Metro is flawed. Like you know, it wasn't that great for creation. Like let's be honest, the controls and all that. Uh, were much better for consumption of content than creation of content. They could have done more work there, but it was a great 1.0 product that Microsoft did not improve. The hardware is great. All these old Nokia phones. You remember the Nokia 1020? That big-ass camera? Yep. Still see it. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. like a 40-megapixel camera. It still holds yeah. its own. <laughs> it still holds its own against, like, some iPhones and that. Like, it's starting to show its age, but it's such a good camera. Nokia's hardware design. It was like these slick candy bar, all polycarbonate phones with AMOLED screens and great cameras and great battery life. And because Microsoft wanted to compete with Android and started copying features of Android and iOS and not just trying to iterate on what they had, it ended up failing, right? Which is sad because we could really use a third, uh, third option. Anything. Anything but Android. <laughs> Like Pixel's fine, but I I feel like No, the problem is Pixel I feel like Android is, is harmful, right? It's because like I don't I know it's a little sensationalist to say, but like hear me out for a moment. You have these cheap Android devices run like crap. And it's not and so people who don't have the money to buy an iPhone, right? They're left with it as an inferior or not as great experience. They're left with these phones that have random reboot problems. And that they're they're getting their information hacked and all that because Android's insecure and malware still gets onto the Play Store, right? Like it's it's creating even more of a digital divide. You shouldn't have to be paying a huge amount of money to get a great mobile experience. And Windows Phone provided that, right? Granted, you didn't have the apps. Let's say that, but at the base level for basic communications, basic internet browsing, and all that stuff, Windows Phone was better at a hundred dollar price point than Android can ever be. And Android could be today android one has failed the new android initiative that they had at io is probably going to fail as well and it's just like we had a good platform but now it's gone and it's just i i love the design i'm probably repeating myself but uh i miss windows phone rest in peace rest in peace uh that's i mean that's the thing right it's like it had a lot of ideas that microsoft really realized they didn't want to iterate on it. They didn't. To be fair to them, they had spent billions of dollars 
uh, by the time this is sort of coming coming to fruition here. Uh, Microsoft was like, this is, we're we going to have to try something else because for them, they weren't seeing the sales. So from their perspective, it was feeling like a lost cause. So I understand sort of like the way it has ended up. But you know, it's still, you can still be reminiscing over it. So it's a little bit nostalgic, even though it's not that old. Uh, just, just a thing. So rest in peace with this phone. And I think with that, we're going to uh, end this week. Uh, you can find us uh, on, on Mastodon. Me is, I'm on Mastodon at staticsafe at mastodon.zomokla.com. And Christian, you have a new... Um, new new instance. Okay, so by the time you're posted, uh, this has been posted, um, Boys Out Computer will no longer be a thing. Um, if you follow me, you can... There's some interesting things I'm doing. Uh, since it's some things in stealth mode right now, not really going to talk about them on the pod. There's some occasional references to them uh, on on my new Mastodon instance, which is C Colocho. Um, the spelling will be, you know, what, let's do here C C O L O C H O at Cyber. Also spelled not properly S <laughs> B. And oh my God, S C Y B R E dot space. Um. I'm gonna figure out a better. I'm gonna find a short link or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the actual URL will be in the show notes. Yep. You can follow me there. All great, great content. Very good posts. Very good posts. I've I've been voted Mastodon's best shit poster ten years in a <laughs> row. Like congratulations <laughs> to me. I'm proud of myself for that. But um, thank thank you all for listening. Appreciate the support for the network. And uh, with that, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>